So, TGIF, TGIF, 9.47 a.m., just wanted to kind of briefly get into a little experience from yesterday. Participated in a study, a mental health study, where basically for an hour and a half I kind of went off about past experiences. Um, a lot of the stuff that I kind of rant about already, but a bit more, a bit more, um, actually it was, it was fairly informal. It was a fairly informal, I'm adjusting the levels here. It was a fairly informal kind of an interview. Uh, researchers from, from one of the universities here. I, it was interesting. It's like I got into way more detail in that scenario than I've ever gotten into, even on the rant cast here. Why is this? Probably, probably because there's a level of anonymity even greater than what I'm doing here with these various, you know, social networks. But also, I will likely never, <laughs> I know this almost sounds kind of crazy to say, I'll likely never see the interviewer again, right? So it's like, I don't feel any sort of, oh, I have to face this person kind of again. Um, and they then, you know, be judged and all that. To some extent, that's what I'm doing here. Although, with the showing of my face on some of the social networks and so on, it can be kind of, it's a bit tricky. The thing is, there's, we're in a, there's so much, there's, we're in a vast sort of land, internet, digital land, that I'm not even really that concerned who, who hears it, to be honest. So that kind of brings me to the point of, it, and first of all, it was a kind of a, it was an actually tiring Something you experience a lot when you're, when you, like, say you work in a call center scenario where you're, like, kind of ranting and on and talking to people for quite a while. If you're not an extroverted person, you don't get the, you don't get energy from that. You don't feed off of that experience. So, for me, more introverted, I'm able to, I can rant on for a while. It gets tiring, though, mentally. So, I kind of shut off for a while after that. I went, continue to do a bit. I went... That happened in the afternoon. So prior to that, I was kind of working. And then after that, I was working. And I actually took a little mental break and just kind of decompressed. I was like, damn. But it was also interesting how humorous I found it. It was like I was, it was almost turning the whole experience, the whole mental health, the whole struggle with mental health and homelessness and battling, um, you know, things that stemmed from kindergarten. and it, it wasn't quite a rehashing. It was an hour and a half brief rehashing. The interesting thing was how I almost turned everything into a joke. It was like cracking. It was like a humorous kind of treating a lot of it sarcastically. Um, but it was, you know, I think when you can get to that place where you're laughing at some of the 
negativity from the past. You know, there's a shift kind of online community, like, you know, looking forward. We, we basically, we, we crave to hear people's stories. We, pray, we, we, we crave to hear past experiences. A lot of things from the past are being dug up. Um, experiences are dug up. Things that people were trying to bury are being dug up. Um, and people are being exposed and people are being outed and people are being put in the spotlight. So we, we like to hear these past stories while being rooted in the present and then looking to the future. Um, so I, I, I guess where I'm going with that is being able to sort of informally and anonymously, almost anonymously, rant to a stranger about the experience like I'm in a very very good mood today and I think even since I started ranting a bit more about my personal life I've been it's been helping me get out of my head I've talked about this before but it's a definitely a, a pushing forward and then a combination of also seeing people from the past and you know seeing individuals from the past seeing you know hearing about some of their stories or experiences from you know the past few years taking everything with a bit of salt, grain of salt, and just kind of being like, oh, that was interesting, and then keeping it moving. It's always the keeping it moving that, to me, is the more interesting thing. Um, as I say this, I think of a Flying Lotus track. Flying Lotus and the claim, keep it moving. Um, but, you know, the keeping it moving is one of those, you can't be blindly going into scenarios you can't be blind. It's kind of like I was thinking about Montreal and how I kind of it was somewhat. It was like there was a plan of sorts, but it wasn't so structured that maybe I got the best out of the the time I was there. Um, but at the same time, you can like you don't want to be guilty of over planning and over analyzing and overthinking. Um, it's a doing life was about this is a theme that kind of came up in this this study that I was participating in it's like the doing you can only really forge a way forward by doing and not by overdwelling um, which is something that I think everybody can be guilty of But there's a balance with everything, right? Uh, anyway, those are my thoughts on kind of my reflections on the experience of unloading a lot of my own story uh, to a stranger. Peace. So that comment was... Um, what I just read there was a comment in response to a post posted on Facebook by somebody called Robin Hansen, who's, who's very active on both Twitter and Facebook. You can Google him, you'll see his shit come up. Who is Robin Hansen, first of all? Well, I go to his site. It's in, uh, 
It's an EDU-linked site, so it's a university. So he works at George Mason University. And how to reach Robin Hansen. All this info. Associate Professor of Economics, James M. Buchanan Center, George Mason University, Fairfax, Virginia. All right, so that's a brief rundown of him. Now, let's get into the thread. Um, the thread that sparked that comment that I read. Let's see. He, so he always tweets about economics and so on. But we're going to go. Here we go. Here's his tweet. Those with less access to sex plausibly suffer similarly to those with low income and might similarly hope to organize to lobby for redistribution along this axis. Strikingly, I see little overlap between those concerned about income and sex inequality. Now, as I read that, I'm like, is this going towards the incel community? Like, is this... Sorry. <laughs> I'm hearing things outside. So he published this article April 26th. And I really don't want to give it that much energy, but uh, let me skim through some of it. He's talking about inequality, income, inequality between the families of nation at a time. Um, many seem to be trying hard to inform those who rank low of their low status. purpose here seems to be encourage to to be to encourage support for redistribution by reminding everyone of the possibility of violent revolution uh, consider recent news here we go shortly before the recent toronto van attack a post appeared on the suspect's facebook profile hailing the commencement of the incel rebellion there is a reluctance to ascribe the to the incel movement anything so lofty as an ideology or credited with any developed connected thinking Partly because it is so bizarre in conception, standing for involuntary celibate, it has mutated into a Reddit muster point for violent miso miso misogyny. It is quite distinctive in its hate figures, Stacy's, attractive women, Chad's, attractive men, and normies, people who aren't incels, i.e. can find partners without necessarily attractive. Incels can't get laid and violently loathe anyone who can't. They obs incels obsess over their own unattractiveness. They divide the world into alphas and betas. Betas just your average frustrated idiot dude and omegas as the incels often call themselves. The lowest of the lowest scorned by everyone. Their virginity is dis discrimination or apartheid issue. Elliot Roger, he cites him. Uh, one might plausibly argue that those with much less access to sex suffer from, suffer, suffer to a similar degree as those with low income and might similarly hope to gain from organizing around this identity and so on. So to lobby for redistribution along its access and to at least impl implicitly threaten violence if their demands are not met. As with income inequality, most folks concerned about sex inequality might explicitly reject violence as a method, at least for now, and yet still be encouraged privately when the possibility of violence helps move others to support their policies. Sex could be directly re redistributed or cash might be redistributed in compensation. Very, very strange 
philosophy. And then there's various comments. This is various comments that are being. I'm not sure how, whether this is like. If these comments are like a Facebook embedded kind of a thing or. Discus, okay. Now. What does he respond? He says, unusually, this post induced a lot more discussion on Facebook than Twitter, suggesting that people are uncomfortable talking about it in public. Okay, now Twitter has seen an explosion of comments, but of far lower quality than Facebook. Kind of shows why Facebook may last. And then there's various replies. Someone, someone responds. Robin, are you aware that there are variety, a variety of lifelike silicon dolls available for hopeless old horny nerds such as yourself? Someone else entitled to sex and to replies that meet an arbitrary standard of quality. Maybe the, the issue is that on Twitter. You are getting exposed to people who aren't your friends and so have a different perspective. And therefore, see that your idea is trash and merits mockery, not serious discussion. My terrible hypothetical elicited the response it deserves. Real shocking, Buckaroo. Robin, almost all of your responses here have belied an arrogant tendency to write off the substantial ethical challenges to your position as if they were emotional, a result of some failure to properly understand the respect economic analysis and respect economic analysis. To be fair, your take's so horrific that there's nothing to discuss, and the only thing left to do is ratio and watch. Twitter is mostly for virtue signaling, to be honest. People thinking thinking your comments were dumb and misogynistic does not equal a lower quality of feedback. I hope this distinction helps clarify things for you. This is there's there's not a competition between Facebook and Twitter. You're seeing more favorable responses on Facebook because Facebook's bubbles are tougher. Because fewer because fewer people on there are taking you to task for a very bad idea. Your smaller circle of friends on Facebook, Reddit, 4channel, and the like allow you to self-select and connect to like persons simpler. It is possible on Twitter. If you jump into Twitter's public's deep end, you need some swimming skills. Mm, let's see. Facebook agrees with my opinion more than Twitter. That means Twitter is inferior. Me, Twitter rabble. Your creepy incel post is getting the shit ratioed out of it. 
You, multi-platform intellectual. Twitter comments are of low quality. You think Facebook is better because people all circle jerk your opinion. There, here people come from different places in life, not just incel version tears being retarded MRA men's rights dumbos. <laughs> Somebody dumb fuck. Somebody. <laughs> Guess there's more generic genetic garbage on. Sex isn't a commodity, moron. <laughs> the redistribution of sex. What the fuck? Oh god. It is different. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I'm just kind of going through. I'm trying to. There's a. Th- Even though I said this is an informal kind of a series of rants I'm actually filling out the remaining 640 bars with just the various responses to the tweet alright I can I think I can comment now so what I read and now let me read that again actually if we into the uh, this is a comment, the first original comment that I read was a comment to his this kind of article. If we had realistic sex education, we would take the boys aside and explain to them that girls will find most of them sexually repulsive, except for the handful of cool boys. These girls really want to have their early sexual experiences with experiences experiences with. As the girls mature into young women. They will turn to the nerds for boyfriends and husbands, reluctantly and without enthusiasm. Because the math doesn't work out for the kinds of men they really want. And even then, many of the nerds will will never pair up with women at all. In other words, boys need to learn early early in life the tragic nature of male sexuality and hierarchical species, instead of the egalitarian nonsense promoted by the current sex ed. This will save them a lot of grief as they come to terms with it. Alright, so again, briefly reflect on that and I'll be back. Back. Seems to be having some mic problems. Sucks because I just got this set up sort of where I liked it. Anyway, um... So right there, I just read a bunch of shit there that exposes, that highlights some of the philosophies of the incel community, which, to be fair, I've actually come across. Some of this also come across. Some some of this also comes across from a um, perspective of the red pill community and sort of how they kind of deconstruct the concept of you know there's alpha males there's beta males um, most women and I'm kind of butchering this the summary I'm just kind of recalling from memory um, but alphas are basically like the super physically attractive super assertive 
go-getter-ish, more extroverted people um, with money and who are who understand kind of women's psychology to a level where there's no shortage of mates or whatever you want to call them, partners, sexual partners for them. Now, then there's the betas who kind of are they kind of take what they can get. Usually they're not attractive. They're usually classified as in the traditional sense kind of nerds, geeks, you can call them. People who tend to, it tends to, it's like a nice guy syndrome thing too. Um, that's another element of it. Give me one second here. Alright, just charging the iPad before it dies. So yeah. So then yeah, then I guess the incels consider themselves Omegas. Um which is this third category that just I just read about. Um now many of these things end up rooted in insecurities. Well first of all, so this whole red pill movement, there's a lot of dudes who attribute the red pill movement to sort of saving their own masculinity because there's this concept of there's a war on masculinity Um, men have become more effeminized part of this is due and I'm not going to attribute what I'm going to say here specifically to the red pill community but this is other stuff that I've read People are viewing that men have become more feminized because part of this is moving away from like having to be being in a society that now values kind of less hard physical labor that also has removed traditional men roles from the household. Women are also making as much or not more than men. Men are uh, becoming stay-at-home dads you know and it goes on and on there's all all kinds of reasons or so-called reasons as to why masculinity is on the the decline Um, and I think I'm actually out of time here so I'm going to kill this particular rant and then I'm going to start up again in another segment masculinity there is um, there is a misogynistic strain to it um, regardless of the sort of the, the quote unquote positive that comes out of it which would be men who are sort of for lack of a better term or lack of better terminology ugly ducklingish 
or wallflowerish or people who did not ever really get attention from the um, the opposite sex they internalize some of these philosophies they then get a boost of confidence they then kind of have a better outlook on life they then in fact it's like there's um it's all rooted in confidence right there's this one book no more mr nice guy some of y'all may have heard of it where the author's thesis is basically there's a nice guy syndrome which is the roots of it can be stemmed in um a generation of men who were raised by women and therefore have internalized more feminine traits and philosophies because there is in most cases no real strong man example there's no real strong um, I think sorry I think I just remember the author's name it's Robert Glover. I'm Googling this right now, actually. There's a PD... It's a, there's a... I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't pirate shit and don't rip people off, but there's a PDF floating around, so let's see. No more... Yeah, it's already... As soon as you type in... No, I typed in N-O-M-O, and it already came up. Doctor, yeah, Robert Glover, exactly. So that's his. Thesis. So that's his thesis. So men have been sort of there was a generation of men disserviced and sort of almost mentally castrated and also um, non-assertive, lack confidence um, because they were predominantly raised by women. Women didn't have really too many male role models or strong male figures in the household. One of those um, so so like it, it manifests in different ways. There's um, sort of allowing others needs to be put over yours, um, not really communicating well in relationships, um, docile, kind of letting the the woman lead in the relationship there's this other there's all these other like sort of here's a kind of a long list of um sort of examples and ways that the lack of a male figure a lot of it is socialization right so the concept of a boy's night out is a very like crucial thing um needing to Needing to have those kind of like raw masculinity moments of, I don't know, dudes playing sports, that kind of thing, like um, male activities, hiking, so on and so forth. It goes on and on. It's an interesting thesis because when one looks around, it's kind of like, okay, so because, you know, part of this is, is it's in the shift in. And um, he basically traces it back to the shift in men being the workers, 
the breadwinners. Then having sort of a lot of um, single mom households, um, and also high, like higher rates of divorce, um, is one of those things too. One of those factors. So many factors. Anyway, so it's sort of so sort of the the the, the nice guy theory is somewhat tied. I think to the underlying kind of like red pill blue pill th- community, which is, and then there's this extension now of incels. All of this comes back to confidence. Um, all of this ends up coming back to just self confidence because what I've often, and this is something that I've somewhat preached on this show, is the. And sorry if I like trailed off at various points because I was just sort of thinking about the thesis a bit, um, thinking about it on mic, just thinking about how how some, somewhat damaging a lot of these theories can be. But in any case, um, the confidence um, when it's when you when you have to look towards self when you see in your own life various things quote-unquote going wrong so you see like with the the nice guy theory it's like okay yes there might be a socialization factor um, but in the nice guy theory of okay you are not confident you are not assertive you are not um i don't know what was the other shit that i ranted on about you are not um you identify more with women than men you would write okay another one is having a lot more female friends than men than male friends that kind of thing um These are all individual choices. You can deconstruct it in your head. Yes, there's psychologists and therapists that sit here and analyze these things. And, but I think the quicker, what, I'm pre- what I've been preaching is sort of the individual responsibility of letting go and changing behaviors that you think are just detrimental. If that detrimental behavior is that, it's oh yeah, sorry the 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 in part of the identifying more with women theory is the concept of always trying to please, being a people pleaser. It's not just a woman; it's being in general a people pleaser, always wanting to kind of save the day, always kind of wanting help. The help is now nah, I'm really getting now. Nah, I'm starting to recall some of this shit. The help that suppose these guys, nice guys give when they help it's often out of a sense of like a selfish sort of a thing they help and I think this is kind of tied to like dating like they become overly helpful I think to um, then use that help as a way to basically get in the pants <laughs> it's, it's kind of that's the summary that's like the, the non-academic summary they're using it as a it's a tactic, right? It's a ploy. And they kind of present this out. And then, so let's say they get cheated on. They basically will come and say some shit like, oh, I was cheated on. Why was I cheated on? I was such a nice dude. I did all these things in the, in the relationship right. But that constant people-pleasing doesn't present a sort of a... It's not just sexual tension. It doesn't create a sense of challenge I guess but it's like an honesty thing it's like 
you may feel pissed off but you're lying because you feel that presenting this image of being pissed off is the thing that will deny you of sex or whatever you know what I mean so again I'm, I'm talking about this you can just google it google no more Mr. Nice Guy Robert Glover and see what comes up um, and then there's other themes of like people self-sabotaging so anyway so you see this kind of play out in a lot of these You know, with with the incel community, with the red pill, blue red pill community, the blue pill philosophy, the um, this so, sort of broader topic of where is male masculinity going, which has been traditionally rooted in these specific rules of you know uh, aggressiveness, breadwinner being the breadwinner, being the provider. Um, being the one that kind of goes out and works, not being the stay-at-home dad, um, certain sports, TV shows, all of this. Um, so now we're seeing like, so now it's like, okay, when the when when men aren't allowed to reclaim this masculinity, when they're being deprived of this, what what is being described by. Um, Hansen, as I read earlier in the first segment, as a commodity of sex because it's not being distributed equally. <laughs> it creates this. And I think it's, from what I've read, it's kind of like expanding on that theory of, but in a very, very negative way. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't the direct expansion of the theory of, um, okay, having more sex is better for your mental health kind of scenario, right? That's that's a common, that's a researched, scientifically researched theme. And I think the incel community takes it to the, hold on, I'll be right back. All right, back. Whoa, what the hell is going, okay, here we go. The monitor was on. All right, so, um, yes, so, the revolution that then stems from a lack of equally distributed partners and sex allows for these sort of, yeah, the, the violent kind of revolutions, quote-unquote revolutions. And it's... And I think, you know, whenever these events transpire, take place, you then see a very outward... Like, this... Like, Hansen is, he works at a university, and he's, like, very vocally expressing his, what I find to be a bit strange, kind of philosophy and opinions on, on, you know, incel support or whatever. I guess he's supporting them. And maybe I shouldn't even be quick to call it support. It's read like support to me. Uh, I don't think he was just accurately, just kind of like objectively stating the philosophies or the facts or whatever, facts or whatever. But um, I think that, with the, the, you know, this is another kind of uh, dimension to the whole identity politics and the whole subgroupings and the whole, you know, rallying behind 
one specific faction. It's like we've become so... There's so many sub-factions and sub-groups and sub-communities that are now forming. Um, that whereas the traditional kind of... If you want to call it left or right, was often enough for the collective now you have all these sub-communities that feed off of each other and that there's so many niche and specific opinions that identifying with any one part of the, the any, identifying with any one part of these um, philosophies you know you people run the risk of getting grouped into them in a larger sort of a sense but here's here's the the, the one thing I, I found with um like you wonder if the no more Mr. nice guy is literature in it actually I, I think it might even be it's like the red pill community it's like they've used like this no more Mr. nice guy thing is a I wouldn't say a bible but many people will be able to identify across the spectrum of politics, across the black and white spectrum, across the, and I mean, not black and white spectrum, but the ethnicities, the various ethnicities that make up our, you know, our society. Um, it's across racial, cross-ethnic thing. And I think this is where And I think this is where you can get the spread of a, um, you can get a cross-pollination of, you know, ideas and negativity that spread throughout various communities. It's kind of like, you know, it's that, um, it's like bed bugs, basically. <laughs> I know that's a very weird kind of comparison. Bed, bed bugs aren't discriminated against race. It's just kind of, I don't know. I'll, I'll play out this little comparison. Bed, <laughs> bed bugs aren't discriminated against <laughs> any one individual. They leech off of the blood. And off of very spe- this is a very specific criteria that they feed off of. Blood. And they come out at nights to feed on blood. They don't care about blood type or any of that. And it's the same thing with kind of this red pill no more Mr. Nice Guy and sell community which even if I'm even if I just kind of almost fabricated a connection to me there's a connection just having now read having just recalled basically the whole Mr. Nice Guy theory um, and then you know okay so now it's like okay let's put some spotlight on myself do I do I fundamentally believe the Mr. Nice Guy theory you know, parts of it are a bit... I think parts of it... I don't even want to say too far. Taking it too far. But parts of it, I think, are... I mean, we live in a world of there's people-pleasers. We live in a world of people who... In relationships can't communicate. Or they don't even communicate at all. We live in a world of... Scenarios where... Um, men take kind of a backseat role in a relationship we live in a world where people put their needs second or third or fourth or whatever 
So it's not, it's like, I, you wonder sometimes, are theories being applied to just normal human kind of condition? But in, but because the self-help community and the kind of motivational community, the themes often are the same. Like stroll into a chapters and go into the self-help section. There's the, the, the opinions are not that. The philosophies, the tactics to improve, the strategies are not that. I know I'm going on a crazy tangent here, but these aren't these aren't theories that are that different from each other. It's kind of like dieting, right? Like there's only so many dieting books that can really exist, but yet they seem to keep being cranked out. Um, this is almost the same. So yeah, so we we look at the human condition, we then form theories around it, we then come up with solutions, which are often just the opposite of whatever the problem was. You're a people pleaser, do for self for a while and fuck everybody else. Kind of a thing. Um, you know, the red pill community, I think, goes a little more into a misogynistic kind of... Uh, they have like sub categories, sub groupings of like I forgot that there's like a, it's like a alphanumeric kind of a coding of, of women and there's like a, there's strategies for like when a woman's friend isn't that attractive, you want to go at the and this is that is not even necessarily a red building. That's like a I would say like a lot of like in the pickup artist community as well. There's that. Um, various tactics and strategies and ploys that are used and you know you often wonder what would be the is there like a reverse kind of a like the female like red pill because there is actually like I think the one I think the community I discovered was like the wives of red pills or something or it was like red pill women so it's not actually specific to men even though you would think so I think it's just men that are like and then women also like support men who behave in this fashion or men who are like it's just it's a lot of it comes down to <clears throat> this is a sad thing a lot of it comes down to we like confident people like real confidence I guess not like fake kind of like fake confidence I don't even know how I would really describe the fake confidence but it's you see it right it's like um not so much bullying, but like putting people down so people can feel good about themselves. Not that kind of thing, but and not even like fake leadership or, or anything like that. But it's more like people who seem to really be going places we tend to gravitate towards. And people who will sort of let life kind of slip them by or whatever, or maybe more passive, we don't like. But then that very simple theory or that very simple reality gets then blown into these crazy these crazy um, realms of like this weird hierarchical structure that just reinforces kind of um, negative and harmful gender relationships if that made any sense any case, I'm going to cap this off for a moment. I may hop back into this 
to finish all the 640 bars. Or I may just let the music ride out. Peace. I got so carried away talking about um, No More Mr. Nice Guy, the Nice Guy Syndrome, that I wasn't even thinking about. The original kind of, some of the original little topics that came up in that um, that comment to Hanson's post where dude's talking about um, men men who should be educated at an early age in sex ed that women will seek out the sort of cool attractive guy and then once they realize that there's not enough of those guys um, statistically for all of them they then start to kind of go for a sort of plan B the plan B being quote unquote nerds or guys that are perceived more loserish in nature or whatever and you know that's kind of a that's a troubling philosophy specifically because educating young men young boys about that as if that's the fact as if that's the reality will then subsequently provoke or inspire these these um, further acts of quote unquote revolution which is really just revenge and violence um, domestic abuse and so on and I'm actually running out of space here so I'm going to camp this off this is turning into like a three part kind of a rant um, a three part episode quote unquote episode thanks for listening and I'm going to pick it up again in the next segment so at the end of that last segment oh boy at the end of that last segment sorry if that almost pierced your eardrum let me adjust at the end of that last segment, I was going into into the direction of the damage that it can be that can be done teaching boys that look those of you who don't look good, those of you who ain't interesting, those of you who are not conventionally attractive, ain't no women for you. You ain't getting laid. Um, because as I was saying, it kind of it'll then plant the seeds of this future of future acts of violence towards women and it'll just create this inevitable divide I think it'll create this like it'll create more I guess incels and more people with this philosophy of we're seeking revenge I actually noticed today when they're naming the victims and I'm not an investigator I'm not going to pretend to be one I noticed when they were naming the victims, they said specifically, like, oh, many of the victims were women. Um, but there doesn't appear to be a motive. 
like I don't know whether they're already trying to go in that direction as far as making a connection to he did this because of that that incel scenario that incel philosophy but it's interesting to note anyway now back to that original comment into the to the Hansen post um the person responding says again to reiterate living a number of attractive men X number of women who cannot get these men they then go to the nerds the boy who, who they turn into boyfriends um, or husbands also the concept that nobody would be the only people who would be the only men who would who could be able to um get into any kind of relationship or who would be deemed a relationship worthy would be um, quote unquote losers or whatever there's another philosophy which wasn't really mentioned in that particular comment but I've seen also connected to this in other kind of like online communities or whatever is the fact that most really attractive men with things going for them men who have Wealth, and you're going to see where I'm going with this because clearly this is not a true philosophy. But men who are, who have resources, who have the abundance, who have the world at their shoulders, they don't tend to wife up people. Now, you can look to any number of examples in pop culture because pop culture is the most relatable thing. But even just in your, like, go down, walk down your street or something, you know, look, look in your neighborhood. You can probably probably find some... Ex- I mean, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors, and I guess that's maybe that's the point in some cases. You don't really know what people's relationships are really like. But the, the, the underlying kind of thesis is definitely flawed, at least in theory. Um, and that just perpetuates another myth. And perpetuates kind of harmful thinking is damaging to the you know I, I mentioned working together um, and you see this I was I was kind of was watching some content by a YouTuber someone um, someone um, one of my friends on IG she kind of hits me up and with uh, a post like a five part part video post about colorism and I guess how radio presenters are Taking shots at dark-skinned girls. Uh, also a conversation about dudes, dark-skinned dudes talking shit about dark skin. It's the classic colorism example, right? Like, dudes favoring light-skinned girls over dark skin. Um, which is something you see a lot now in pop media and pop culture. And IRL in society. It keeps... We, there's these... See, this is the theme that I'm not entirely sure... People will be focused on the specifics of incel versus non-incel, red pill versus blue pill, alpha, beta, dark skin, light skin, um, and the various black versus white, Republican versus conservative, left, right, technologists, or I don't even know how to that's the term, people who are really super about technology versus those who are more conventional. On and on it goes. Police versus everybody else. Um, Russia versus the U.S. 
it's like we have, for better or worse, allowed ourselves to slip into this one versus the other, us versus them, these various dichotomies, these various, in many cases, false dichotomies, in many cases, pitting of sides against each other. You know, like, it's interesting in a... This mic is getting out of hand here. It's interesting... Oh boy. It's interesting... Especially in a colorism scenario. It's interesting when you have... The current climate of... Blacks... On the, at least on a surface level, unifying towards this common goal of... Alright, we need to step up our collective game and we need to call out these injustices but then still have colorism as like this underlying this underlying theme not even really a skeleton in the closet it's kind of out there right like this is the thing that's more interesting to me is how how many I keep saying dichotomies I'm not even sure if that is the right term Yeah, I guess that might be the best way to put it. We have created just divisions within us, within the collective. And we appear, it's like on the surface appearing to address. It's like, okay, this has been, we've always had these these battles against one side or one platform or one philosophy versus the other. Um... I don't really think that's the working together is is the is the answer. I know that's kind of flaky and twinky dinky, but that's sort of the overall theme when I see all of this happening. And it won't happen, obviously. I mean, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but it's not a the kumbaya dugaterism is not something that it's something we strive for. It's not something that's going to really play out necessarily, at least. At least in the short term, because we've taken, we've allowed ourselves to taking the step back into divisive behavior. Um, I'm guilty of it too. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's we live in a major oh boy. One, one, one minute, one minute. So I didn't really listen to anything I just said. So I'm just going to go off. <laughs> I don't know. I was actually something was burning there. So anyway, colorism. See, now this is we all. There's always a bit of a flame that gets reunited, reignited with certain topics. The colorism topic one as a topic is interesting to me because. Both dark and light-skinned people have experienced this colorism, this discrimination against color, specific tones. But what I, what, the thing I want, I'm wondering is, you know, the, the, what I was watching today, the YouTuber presents 
a let me look it up right now actually where's my phone in my pocket one of her one of her it's like the, it's the classic catch-all solution right include more dark-skinned pe- women in your music videos and you're kind of like is that even really uh, on the surface yes that, that needs to happen when you start examining it a bit more it's like this is just a this has been the same supposed solution for X number of um, years now. Ever since colorism. Let me see. Women, you offended dark skinned women. You offended us. Okay. And number two, this has got nothing to do with anyone but us. Okay? What really pisses me off is when I see other dark skinned girls saying, Oh, it's not really that big of a deal. Like, it didn't really affect me. No one cares that it didn't affect you. Shut your mouth. Keep your mouth shut. Because all you're doing is just disregarding every other dark-skinned girl out there that may be difficult when you're in that situation. Because, obviously, he probably might want to defend his girlfriend, but then it might do more harm than good if he does defend his girlfriend. I say all the time, I think rappers people you need to have more dark skin girls uh, dark skin girls in your video the main girl it more dark skin girls as leads more dark skin girls on the cover of uh, magazines because colorism is so real like it's so real i experience it every single day it's not something that's in our head really pisses me off is when i see all women number one you did not offend all comes to stuff like this if i'm correct dj logan Sama or Sama, however you say his name, actually got fired for similar tweets. He made a, a tweet a reference to black women being angry and he got fired. My man got fired. In my eyes, my jammers tweet tweets from I think it was 2000. There you have it. <laughs> you just heard it all right. Well, you heard some of it. And, you know, she makes, she raises a good point. Black women who experience colorism. really have the final say as to how it affects them so it's difficult to really even get into the topic and speak on it too deeply but the one solution the the, the music video solution in many cases it's the it's the it's the entertainment industry it's the media industry that's going to perpetuate this stuff do we see that as, do they ever, do they really believe that this is a solution in and of itself? Or is it even really a step towards any sort of resolution as far as color, colorism goes? I don't know. But that was, um, so what was the original theme? That, yeah, so, <laughs> so the divisive sort of back and forth we have on all these micro issues. And then we, in some cases, lose sight of the macro issue. Um, and it definitely keeps us. See, like I have, I have this map of um, the world on my wall right now. Yes, I have a normal map. And I'm kind of looking over the world at all the various conflicts that uh, happen. And you know, for various reasons and you're kind of like 
are we as humans as predisposed to what you could call beef or issues or this perpetual squabbling or these perpetual kind of like pitchforking or there's always an issue or there's always a some stance we gotta take I mean we don't really seem like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the map visualizing in my mind every single global kind of historical event that has taken place not every event because I don't know every event but I mean the, the major events that have plagued us underlying a lot of this stuff is just fear of the, of the other there's a lot of other um, mentality that happens here even within like Sierra Leone a perfect example you have the Creoles who are the freed slaves more sophisticated and then proceed to politically take over Sierra Leone um they also like many of them lighter skin colorism there too but then also this kind of like oh we as Creoles because we have this experience with the outside kind of um having a more like western I guess British experience we are better than these other people who are here and therefore we politically dominate the the country you know what I mean it's like Removing colorism, you even have these sorts of division, divisive um, scenarios and encounters. And you wonder, at least I wonder, because to me this is the most interesting and slash most important theme. Is we look to resolve grievances, we look to resolve these battles... We look to resolve these um, conflicts. I'm repeating myself, but I'm trying to make a point here. <laughs> we keep looking to resolve these things. Meanwhile, history has shown that we don't actually... That we, at the very least, resolve one while another one is unfolding. Um, another thing, too, we don't... We, you know, the concept of the false idols the idolatry the putting certain people up too high on a pedestal whether it's the Bill Cosby's the Nas's the the um the Fabulous's the I didn't even talk about him when that broke out and I was watching that as it unfolded the um the various other domestic abusers that have the R. Kelly's the Chris Brown's the false idols we put them up well I say we but we have individual celebrities or idols that we that we sort of put up on this pedestal and they never really suffer Bill Cosby I guess today has been or yesterday was found guilty he, his sentencing will inevitably be happening I guess my point is 
guess what? It's not just them, right? Like there's like but when they broke it on Parliament Hill of all the sexual abuse happening there. Um your workplace, you date these people, you vote them in, you support their businesses in the neighborhood, you go to school with them, you let them teach you, you study their history books, you or you we study them in our history books. We allow ourselves to be educated with the philosophy, like a Margaret Sanger or um, Charles Darwin. These, the, you know what I mean? Like it goes, it keeps going back and back and back and back and back and back in human history. You know, we elect them as presidents and prime ministers and city councilors, and you know, they're your parents. You know, they're your. It's not just a. The false, the false idols thing is extended to every asset, or sorry, every facet of IRL day-to-day society. But because, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's because these people, because these day-to-day people are in our face a bit more. It's a bit more uncomfortable to sort of call them out versus Nas or R. Kelly or. Chance, or I know you know Chance didn't do any sexual assault. Kanye, you know, those people are so far removed from our day-to-day reality that to pitchfork and call out them in a way becomes easier versus the person that works in your local mall, most likely. The person who works at your local Tim Hortons who's only working there because Tim Hortons has less of a stringent kind of background check and he probably is a diddler or whatever, or he has some kind of domestic abuse, or he's a drug addict or whatever. Not even, they're not even addicts, you know, not even an addict. Um, but those specific kind of like moral offenses, child abuse, domestic abuse, you know, murder. We have so many of these people operating freely within our day-to-day that lately I've been thinking about it's like I said in whatever, whichever because these rants are now becoming like so I just upload a bunch at once but one of them from yesterday it was like hey guess what um there's a queue right you got this line of people who are now in the spotlight, who people we need to really, if not, if prosecute or bring the hammer down on them quick, or cancel them and get them out of here, stop supporting them, hit them in the pocket, you know, hit them where it hurts. These are all the these are the what I ponder. It's like, you know. the surface level like Twitter arguments and so on is like uh, let's dig a little bit deeper here and start seeing where we can really clean clean house see how far back we can clean house in any case that rant went a bit longer than I even expected but I'm actually going to head out roll out talk to y'all tomorrow